One case was open, revealing shiny metal rods and bits of colored cellophane. He assumed it was lighting gear for the television crew now inside the house. They were probably filming their interview and almost certainly did not know they were being observed. He scanned the street in front of him, then, without moving his head, methodically checked behind him in the rearview mirror. Catching a glimpse of himself, something unusual since he never sought out mirrors, his startling blue eyes under deep brows stared back. Women might find them mesmerizing, but he regretted how they made him so easy to remember. Usually he wore dark sunglasses, but in today's gray afternoon light, sunglasses might result in one of those curious second looks that sometimes proved so inconvenient. He had spent many years making sure he was neither noticed nor remembered. His name, which a long time ago had been Ed Jarvis, had faded under a succession of false identities, leaving him defined by his occupation. An operative. An agent. A useful tool to get things done. A restorer of silence. Stroking his mustache down, making it just a bit less noticeable, he resumed his watch. Fairfield Street was tree-lined, quiet. No one was walking a dog or scraping the last bits of ice off their driveways. It had begun to warm in the past few days, and there wasn't much ice left anyway. That was good. He'd seen enough ice for a lifetime. When he thought about it, which was far too often, he could feel the searing cold of a Korean winter still sleeping deep inside him. His careful scrutiny went on for a full fifteen minutes. Nothing set off his internal alarms. He got out of the car, took a beige parka from the back seat, and put it on over his gray suit. Then he began to walk down Fairfield Street, away from the T-intersection. There were no sidewalks, so he walked in the road, just far enough away from the curb to stay out of the puddles of snowmelt. Keeping a steady pace gave him the appearance of a man out for a little exercise to break up an afternoon at home. He made three left turns, circling the block, and approached the Colonial from the opposite direction, his deliberate pace giving him time to verify that no one was in any of the backyards. Without changing his pace, he walked past the left side of the wagoneer, reaching down slightly and placing a small box into the top of both wheel wells. He could hear the faint chucks as their magnets pulled them tight against the metal. He continued back to his car, feeling confident that, even if anyone were watching, no one would have noticed such a minor change in his stride. Back in his car, he sat for a long moment to be certain that no one had appeared on the street or come to look out any nearby windows. Then he put the car in drive. Moving at a smooth, unhurried speed, he turned to the left on Fairmount, away from the house, and made three right turns to circle around the block behind the house. Now, he could be sure that there were no other surveillance teams watching the Colonial. He didn't really think any other team, even from the FBI or CIA, would be a problem, but it was always satisfying to know that he could work free of distractions. He came slowly down Fairmount from the same direction he had just approached on foot and stopped as soon as he had a good view of the wagoneer. 
he was safely hidden behind a Dodge station wagon and, after looking up, he reversed a couple of feet into the deep shade of an oak tree. He knew the shadows would only deepen as the short December day waned. Then he sat and waited, waited to do his work, to stop the voices, to restore silence, to kill. The left lane was clear, and Rick came up through the gears, hearing the solid kachunk each time the transmission engaged. The BMW might not be slick, but it was steady, dependable, and fast enough if you gave the engine the time and torque to reach full power. It didn't have a tachometer, so he listened to the exhaust sound and shifted a couple of seconds after the engine's normal throaty putter rose to a shout. By the time he hit the elevated freeway that cut past Georgetown, he was in top gear and running fast. The wide handlebars felt solid and safe.